0: This is real presence live on the rpr network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the upper midwest now back to the show welcome back to real presence live you're listening across the real presence radio network my name is nathan sather and i have very good news will is safe we know where he is he's uh not in the middle of single-handedly fighting a bear in the wilderness with his bare hands will thank you for joining us here on real presence live
1: no worries.
0: Thanks for having me. And we, I, I kind of want to get right into it, um, just because of our time being shortened here. So, there's lots yes, of parallels between uh, spiritual combat, spiritual survival, and being out in the wilderness. God is definitely a God who speaks to us through physical things. He believes in, in it so much, He assumed a human nature. So, explain to us, Will, how some of the experiences you've had and, and your expertise doing these things can help us to understand how we can better incorporate those principles to help us to be spiritually fit and and able to spiritually survive in a world that's very much against our spiritual well-being.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, So I I started uh, Beyond the Wild. I was working as a youth worker, as a Catholic youth worker, and I was really struggling to draw um, young teenage guys into any of the events. Um, There were decent events we were putting on, but there was like a, a peer pressure barrier and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I, I for years had been going on wilderness expeditions and I spent about, um, five years overseas traveling, uh, with very little money. So I was always just hitchhiking around, uh, sleeping rough. And I'd got really, really into, you know, I felt most safe by far rather than sleeping rough in the towns, heading out into the woods, um, into the wilds. I um, mean, that, that was like the birth of me really getting into wilderness expeditions and then through getting addicted to traveling from about 18 through to my mid-20s until I sort of forced myself to settle down. Um, I had a year in New Zealand, a couple of years going around Europe, uh, six months in Canada, a few months in America, a bit of time in Scandinavia. And um, uh, the, the wilderness expeditions were just phenomenal. And But at the same time, there was like a real danger when I was heading out into the wilds. Um, I, I came personally my first like sort of life or death survival situation and by far the worst situation I've been in um was when I was 19 years old in the southern alps of New Zealand and uh ended up with hypothermia um didn't make it to the hut I'd slipped it was the middle of winter I'd slipped into a mountain brook and ended up almost up to my chest uh in melted like it was just water melted snow just running down the mountain underneath sheets of ice and I really really thought that was the end of me and I was very naive of the mountains Um, but it certainly kind of then prompted me to learn a lot of wilderness survival skills. Uh, So these kids, these young teenage guys who are really into Bear grills and stuff like that, they couldn't get enough of hearing about survival stories and things like that and wilderness expeditions. And I thought, well, what if I could actually take, take, like fuse together a Catholic retreat um, with a uh, with like a wilderness survival course, with a, a bushcraft course, and teach them these skills. And at first, I thought maybe this is an idea I'm just taking too far. But I thought we can have three days wild camping, no running water, no electricity. Uh, get them away from their phones and all the distractions. Um, teach them things like uh, deer skinning, shelter building, friction fire lighting. But then have a hardened priest join us, so we can have daily mass, Eucharistic adoration, um, prayer, morning prayer, night prayer, rosary. And then it, things really got excited when I started looking at the catechesis side of things and fusing together the, the concepts of wilderness survival and spiritual survival. And uh, what really came to me is, um, first of all, having that will to live, that love of life that needs to drive you on. If you're going to come out alive, you need to have a will for you need to have like a love of life if you're going to fight for it. And I realize it's the same thing in the spiritual life, that these kids might not necessarily even realize that through their baptism they've entered into this spiritual life. They've, they've been given this life freely, but it's the greatest gift. It's the meaning for their whole existence. And we have to start with that, giving them that spiritual love of life. But then once they've got that, it's about recognizing the things that would kind of threaten or even seek.
0: Well, I think we just lost Will's connection there. I will say one one of the things that I try to talk about with my own kids in regard to what will's talking about is there is a there is a strange thing in the world called spiritual combat and we are in a spiritual war and there are you know that, that's that's not a very hope filled um you know prospect to share with people right hey you're in a spiritual war you're in you're in a, engrossed in spiritual combat uh but there's something worse than that actually it's if you're in a war and you don't know that you're in a war, right? When you know you're in a war, that might be an awful situation, but at least you can do something about it. If you don't even know you're in the war, you're just walking along the battlefield and you're you're a casualty. You're already, you know, hope is lost for you in that in that regard until you recognize that there is a war and there is a battle going on. Now you can get a weapon. Now you can protect yourself and defend yourself and take actions against the enemies that oppose you. Uh, but without knowing that, obviously you, you can't. And so I do try to emphasize that with my own children. Yeah, this is, this is not the best situation we found ourselves in, but this is the situation we are in. So now that we are aware of this, let's try to do something about it. And that is... Oh, Will, you're back, brother?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm sorry hey. we lost the connection. Hey,
0: that's all right, brother. Uh, keep, keep going. You are talking about how the, you were taking the men out there and getting them away from their phones.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And and then in in terms of the wilderness survival, we were teaching them hands-on learning for um, purifying water, making fire, uh, making shelter, and and trapping, tracking, snaring, and skinning. in terms of providing food. So they had these four elements of wilderness survival, water, fire, shelter, and food. And then we tied these elements of wilderness survival to elements of spiritual survival, taking um, the living waters of prayer the fire of God's mercy through the sacrament of confession, um, and a strong shelter of the Church and our spiritual food, which is the Eucharist, and really kind of gave them these four things in a very hands-on real way out in the wild um, to try and teach them that this is what they need to hold on to uh, through high school, university, young adult life, and all the way through their life, so their faith to not just survive but to thrive, um, to recognize there are going to be many things which try and uh, extinguish that fire of faith but um if they hold tight to prayer the eucharist the church and god's mercy keep coming back to god's mercy that their fight faith will just burn brightly in this world and ignite the faith of others as well so that's what we really tried to get across through the the first course and it went really well um the only bad feedback we had was from the girls who were furious that they didn't have a wilderness <laughs> survival course of their own so oh, awesome. the following year yeah, yeah, I was, I was really pleased actually. So the next year I sat down with my wife and got together with some of her university chaplaincy friends and said, can we rewrite this course, make it about one third on wilderness and spiritual survival, and about two thirds on Catholic womanhood and the renewal of womanhood and authentic womanhood. And they delivered that, and it was like those were probably the two best events I'd done. And then that launched it into a yearly thing. Uh, eventually it became independent to offer courses outside of the diocese. And then years later, became a registered charity, um, and, and has done some good work in America, and as well as courses all over the UK now.
0: And that's that's absolutely awesome. And you know, I I think when you talk, I used to do youth ministry for a short period of time as well, uh, Will, and <laughs> trying to get people engaged uh, to an event was definitely a struggle. But once you had them there, and you yeah, talked yeah. about real things, you know, if, if you didn't say. So, oh, we're going to talk about baptism for the 14th time today. But you just start, yeah, you just yeah. start mentioning these things about your faith, and, and you shared those, and the conversations would go off in lots of directions. I, I remember high school kids, G, GPA 4.0, great students, and they would say things like, I don't know if there's any truth out there. I, I don't know what the atonement is or whatever. How, how does this guy die and do anything for me? And that's where we made money yeah, Th- yeah, those right. are the conversations that that you know, help change people's lives so i'm I'm curious from your perspective, like how are some of those conversations in the context in which you bring young men into
1: yeah we we kind of really meet the young people wherever they're at. We never shy away from the from the absolute fullness of of the truth of the gospel message of church teaching, um but we've had all sorts of kids come on courses, even kids who are complete atheists who've just come along because their friends have come along. And, uh, yeah, just kind of speak to them and, and just be very real with them, be very honest and open, not try and make out like we've got everything all figured out ourselves, you know, that we're still on that journey ourselves and, and always will be um, to the end of this life. Um, and, yeah, I think just being real with them and then walking with them into an encounter with the Lord about basically saying, come and see, um, That's that's what's really, that's where the fruits have really been. So we've had Uh, We had one lad who came on, and I've never seen someone look so intently through Eucharistic adoration. And he came to the chaplain on the second night of the course and asked if he could be baptized. And we explained we couldn't baptize him there and then, but we kind of went back to the bishop, and uh, he didn't have a parish priest because he'd never been to church. Um, and eventually the parents blocked it but that was like a 13 year old lad whose faith like the first part of that fire had been enkindled and so I've prayed for him so much ever since Um, and another lad who'd refused to make his first daily communion decided to make his first confession on a course and then his first daily communion um, his his mum was so excited when we phoned her she said yeah yeah please just Go for it if he wants to, and it all kind of just began through this, just meeting them where they're at and just humbly walking beside them. And it is, it is so humbling to see um, the Lord taking your work and then just uh, creating these incredible fruits from it. It's, it's yeah, it's been a real privilege to to work doing that, doing that, just bringing people to Jesus.
0: Yeah, well, and I, and I think that's one of the things we do really poorly is we we make Christianity. As feminine as possible, to make it as unappealing to truly masculine men as possible, and, yeah, yeah. and without without men. Um, and it, this, this is just data. This is just stats. If if the first person in a family is going to convert, and it's not the father uh, or the, the head of you know the, the male head of household, uh, the chances the rest mm. of the family will become Christian are less than twenty percent. If it's the child, it's less than five percent. If it's the the man, the husband, yeah, it's ninety three percent. Yeah, it's 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 so much more impactful to have men be engaged. We we need a far more masculine church in in
1: twenty
0: twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do, do, do you yeah. want to add something to that, Will, and, and plug your website here before we? Get yeah, up? We yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah,
1: sure. I mean, I mean, beyond the world is very much about that. It was taken. Uh, teenage boys out to experience something like i always thought you had to be very soft and fluffy to be a christian and so i was never massively <laughs> drawn to it as a teenager it's only when i left home and started traveling that i started really seeing the church as it was the faith as it was and realizing there was something really really solid um, there that i was really really drawn to so that's what we tried to give them a full experience of um if anyone wants to learn more about it um the website is beyond and we're on facebook it's facebook.com slash beyondthewild, which is nice and easy. And there's yeah. an Instagram one as well, but I'm never on it. Um, yeah. I, not, I can't even remember what the handle is for Instagram.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and thank you very We appreciate you so much for having us on today. Beyondthewild.org is the website, and by you will definitely have the best accent on Catholic Radio today. So thank you for joining us this morning. Uh,
1: thank you. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Nathan.
0: Yep, we'll talk about stewardship when we come back. You're listening to Real Presence Live.